but let's get started. So this is uh, Welcome to Birds of a Feather. Um, I'm your host, AJ, the Suburban Princess. This is my first one-on-one interview with someone who really actually interacts and knows a whole lot of Philadelphia Eagles knowledge, as well as I enjoy his Inside the Birds podcast with a uh, fellow, I should say, uh, reporter, analyst, overall fun guy, Adam Kaplan. And this is the first time I've ever gotten to talk to Jeff through this podcast. So this is really exciting. And thank you, Jeff, for agreeing to do this because this is like the highlight of 2020 right now. So thank you. No problem. It's a pleasure. You've always been a big supporter of me uh, when I was at the Fanatic or uh, wherever I've been inside the bird show. So I'm just happy to return the favor and talk some football with you. Well, you know what? It's funny because this, the last podcast me and my friend Eddie did, we we disagreed on how the draft went. Um, I, as, as a female, Granted, I may not know my stats and all that other crap, but I know just from how I felt uh, during the selection process for the first round. And obviously, you know, we as Eagle fans feel disappointed that we didn't get a big name for that first round. Um, In all the years that you've covered the Eagles, and let's be honest, we've been through this before. It's not like we haven't been disappointed by the first first three rounds, should I say six. What is your opinion of this first round? Do you feel like the Eagles were kind of reaching? Did they really meet the needs that we really, or that Carson Wentz really needed, in your opinion? You know, AJ, I think it's a little bit of a win-win situation. I know not everybody wants to hear that, but they're sitting in a place at 21st overall, where if you go and look at the history of the first round of the draft, that it's not exactly a spot that's that's like really fertile ground for pro bowl or all pro talent. That's usually the top 10 to 15. And then there's a drop off. Uh, Clearly you're looking for a starter and an impact player, but they were in a spot where they could draft either Jalen Rager, which they did, or Justin Jefferson, who was probably the fan favorite. Uh And they had, I think justifiable reasons for prioritizing Rager over Jefferson. Uh, you know, clearly they're looking for an outside home run hitter, someone uh-huh. with speed. They didn't have that uh, for the last year or two. He brings that. Um, but clearly, I, I think that if they had gotten Justin Jefferson, I wouldn't have been upset with that pick either. Uh, even no. though Justin, they probably see him as a slot receiver. Uh-huh. Certainly the slot receiver is a really important player in the league these days. I mean, Julian Edelman uh-huh. has been a thousand yard receiver before, mostly as a slot receiver. He, Keenan Allen is a guy for the Chargers who plays inside and outside. He's the one I heard most um, kind of compared Je- that Jefferson Jefferson compared to. And uh-huh. he's had uh, a 1400 yard season. So I think that they were going to get a really good playmaker. You can kind of understand maybe their argument that if they're a lot of two tight end, which they are, and one of the one of those tight ends is usually flexed into the slot. Then where okay. would Jeff Jefferson play, right? And so okay. um, you know, it depends on just whether or not you believe he can win on the outside uh, in those situations. But I, I I I think the Rager pick should turn out to be a good player for them. I, mm-hmm. I think when you pair him with Carson Wentz, you put the speed and the quarterback likes to pull, throw the ball downfield together. And you can see the sense that it makes. And and one thing I'll add to that is, if you know he, Howie Roseman's been killed for the JJ Arthur White side pick, right? <laughs> and <laughs> to say the least. Yes. And yeah. one thing he said in his press conference was that maybe they need to kind of re-look, re-examine how they how they look at wide receivers from because they normally like to take guys who are seniors and lots of production and big conferences and. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, guys like uh, there were a couple guys who went in the second and third round last year that weren't as productive but had better years than J. Jones. So here's a case of a guy that fits that, right? He, he was his senior year wasn't very productive because he played with a really bad quarterback and he's um, younger and they took the 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 lesser productive guy over Justin Jefferson the more productive guy so we'll see and the funny thing about it is the first thought i had was even before the week before the draft i said why do I know his, his last name before and i looked i researched and i realized i'm like reager <laughs> i was like okay but then they picked him because he was so familiar from his father is that really why he got it or like you said, like just because Justin Jefferson wasn't going to fit the scheme. Yeah, I don't think the familiarity hurts. I think mm-hmm. it, it helped give them an idea of the kind of caliber kid that they were dealing with. Right. Uh, because they know his dad and his dad played here. And my God, do I feel old because I covered <laughs> his dad. Um, so <laughs> that's a different story. But uh, I, I think that I don't th- I don't think they said, hey, this is. The, the spawn of someone who played for us and we'll definitely have to pick him but I think right. that did help okay I got you and and I also uh, me and my, co- my co-host uh, Eddie we were discussing how we think also with the the timing of the pandemic and the quarantine that a lot of players obviously didn't get to have uh, thorough interviews and or physicals or whatever up close so maybe the Eagles only felt comfortable with certain names that they've really one-on-one interviewed with that that was my reasoning too for why uh, the first two rounds went the way they were because I figured some of the guys they just weren't familiar with. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I don't know. You can make, I think, points for and against. For example, you know, it's it's no small thing, as we know, to take a quarterback pretty high in the draft. And Yeah, Lord help us. <laughs> right, right. So look at all the work that they put in four mm-hmm. years ago into Carson right. Wentz. I mean, they took him out to dinner in Bismarck with the owner and Howie mm-hmm. and the coaching staff. They had scouts go to North Dakota throughout the season and talk to coaches. I mean, they knew every possible nook and cranny about Carson Wentz before they drafted him. But if you hear the work that they were able to put into Jalen Hurts, it was, well, we sent Press Taylor down to Oklahoma's Pro pro Day, and uh, they may have FaceTimed him a few times or maybe not. It's not nearly the same amount of work. So you would have said, man, if if, if you really believe in investing as much homework as possible into quarterbacks. This was not the offseason to just take a quarterback just because, you know? Right, right. I get it. He's a name. And I like most fans, we all reacted, obviously, very violently at times. But I think our reaction was just because we looked at it like they said, not only is Nate not good enough, but because Carson ended, finally ended since his rookie season, you know, a full season, um, hurt in the uh, uh, playoff game. Now they feel insecure about whether or not he, he can last. So that's what I thought it was, was to be like, they did this because they gave up. They're just going to let him ride his contract out and they're waiting for someone. That's why they got Jalen Hurts. And I felt bad for Carson because I feel like, you know, us fans, I know we're all different colors during, you know, the preseason and what we don't know and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It still irks me to this day that even we assume that Alshon Jeffrey is this bad person because of what was supposedly said. And I still don't believe Josino or any of those reporters because I don't know. I personally look at Alshon as, as he's just a seasoned vet who had injuries probably from the beginning of that season and they got worse. And so on top of everything, every everybody was pointing fingers during the season because it was it was it was going down a hole so quickly. 
And Carson was looking unsure because he didn't know where everybody was. You know what I mean? Every play was kind of painful because he had nobody to rely on to throw down the field. So I don't believe in reports or or crap unless it's actually proven. So I refuse to vilify Alshon. But the reality is he had too much money um, to let go. And I think that was definitely something that Howie messed up on, giving him more money before he ended up getting hurt obviously losing the season do you think sometimes how he does stuff because there was a lot of in and out with players last year too and that effed up the chemistry a lot and I think that contributed to why that whole team became so um, disorganized and you know not the same team that had that unity uh, the Super Bowl year and even after that year yeah no I think that's a fair point Um, I would say in most cases how he does a good job handling the cap and handling the money but every once in a while he does something and not just that, even from a personnel standpoint, that mm-hmm. seems just, just a little too cute. You know, like bringing in yeah. Orlando Skandrick and then cutting mm-hmm. him, then have him hang around for as long as he did before re-signing him. And I think that that built up a sour taste in his, in his mouth. And, um, and of course, I agree with you. I, I bet you if you asked Howie, he would even kind of admit that the Alshon Jeffrey extension was a mistake at that time, especially because of his age and his injury history, even, Mm -hmm. you know, his injury history prior to coming to the Eagles was a big reason why he didn't get that huge contract until midway through his one year deal with the Eagles. So, yeah, that, that was definitely a mistake. Yeah, and it just seemed like a revolving door at one point uh, last season when they were seemed like they were they were playing themselves in a, and putting themselves into a hole. Should I say because Miami to me was the the last straw. Like that's when I knew something was wrong with this team because they shouldn't have lost that game. You know they could have won some games yeah. that if had JJ been there at the Detroit game we could have sealed that. They could have even won either the Seahawks or the Patriots game because Tom was very uninterested. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> played in that game. You know, that just came down to proper communication. <laughs> you go down to every every loss, like the Atlanta game. I mean, as bad as oh. beaten up as they had a chance to win that game, and then yes. uh, couldn't pull that out at the end. I just it was. You're right. The first ten weeks of the season were just were really baffling. Yeah, from a variety of levels. And it was sad because it's almost like everything crumbled on the coaching staff because it seemed like they couldn't recover to get the plays in that they probably could have worked. Like, I just felt like there were times that they, the reason why they also lost that game was obvious injuries. It was obvious that um, Doug just seemed like he wasn't on point. Like, I felt like he didn't even know what was out there. And I was kind of thinking like, why is he acting like he doesn't know who's out there and who to use? Like, (laughs) it's crazy how by that Green Bay game, I'm like, all right, so do this. Like, so why couldn't you, y'all have done that before? Like, Green Bay, they played lights out. And you would think that even though it was like, they didn't come back to like the last second half, but still, it was like competitive. It was exciting. And I was scared because I thought we lost the Wednesday, but thank God he was okay later, but still, it was exciting. Yeah, they definitely seem to have a different identity mm-hmm. throughout the season. Uh, and it was straight, it would just change constantly until until December mm-hmm. came along. And after that Miami loss, it just became Carson's offense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with the, with the no-name wide receivers and everything like that. That, and, was, that um, was crazy. I mean, just to know that yeah. someone named Deontay Burnett and uh, Robert, <laughs> Robert Davis. Davis. <laughs> like, they made some nasty catches. Like, catches, like, in the Reds. And why is it always a Redskins game that Carson goes off? I'm trying to figure out what that means. Because I feel like every time they play the Redskins, whether it be home or away, Carson is lit, and I have no idea why the looks are different for them, and sometimes the Giants. Um, Cowboys, 
I'm not convinced yet that they can really get over the Cowboys hump totally because there's always been some dumb reason they lose. They haven't really gotten that team figured out yet either. Um, they played better, obviously, this time around, but it still, it still didn't convince me that they, they're getting over that hump because once they can really nail Dallas like down like they normally do, then I'm going to feel confident because I feel like they can retool and they, they obviously got the guy we wanted. Um, so I'm just kind of nervous about that. But then... I'm nervous about the D-backs D because I love Craven LeBlanc, but I felt like part of the problem that he didn't really uh, resonate last season was because, one, he was taken all season to heal from his injury, and then you have all these other guys kind of swapping positions because of random injuries, you know, and Sidney Jones, of all people, became the hero for the last part. Of it. Like, it was just so not, not consistent that that is kind of a theme with this team that that unnerves me. Do you, do you think you know why they're always so inconsistent or do you feel like it's maybe the coaches swapping? Like, there's just a lot of movement that doesn't need to be happening. Well, I think it goes back to what you said about LeBlanc and the injuries. I mean, I think most of the movement and the identity changes mm -hmm. over the last two years mm -hmm. are related to the ridiculous number of injuries they have. And, right. You know, you, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Uh, do, do they get a little cute? Yeah. Sometimes with what they do, you know, they win a Super Bowl and for whatever reason, Howie Roseman decides, well, you know, I'm going to fire pretty much all of the medical staff <laughs> and, and overhaul it. And then it, things wind up getting worse, you know, the last two years. Now they have since overhauled the medical staff again. They have oh, yeah. a new head, head, head person in charge of this and head person in charge of that. So, yeah. I mean, you hope it works, but can you imagine how good the Eagles would have been last year if they had Deshaun Jackson, Malik Jackson? I mean, I know you lose players yeah, but every who? single year, but man, the, they, the caliber of player yeah. that they lost, you know. It was always it those really positions that. that they needed the most. That's really what yes. nerved me, too. It was like, it, it's not like losing you know Howard or whatever because he wasn't really in the game after that stinger and you know so certain people if you lost them would have been like all right you know well, whatever but to lose your right. threat that shined from the first game and then all of a sudden that determined the Falcons game because no one knew why the heck you know Alshon and Tashawn were on the sidelines before the start of the game like it's how the heck did that happen and you could tell they couldn't re they couldn't come back from it scheme wise because everybody was out of position and it frustrated me because I'm like, y'all have this team. This team is not that great. What is going on? You know, and yep. it's just, it's been the theme. And it's like this year I hear fans and they're always just, the first thing everybody says, like I listen to Joy Taylor on her podcast. And the first thing everybody says who's not affiliated with the Eagles, they always say the same thing. Y'all need the backup because your quarterback's always hurt. And I'm thinking to myself, pause. Two out of four years, he's been hurt. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this year, He's been through every daggone thing. And I've, I don't know what it is, and I'm sure you could answer this because you're a father. I don't know if being a father changes you and your outlook. You're not stressing as much about the little things that maybe he was pressing when, you know, Nick won the Super Bowl and he had to try to come back that year. I'm just feeling like this season alone, I don't think we're going to have to worry about Carson. I'm more worried about everybody else, <laughs> you know what I mean? Blending and, and getting along with each other because it seems like there was a start of a chemistry last year that fell apart once the injuries come and now you got those same guys coming back and now you got new guys. So I don't know if those yeah. you know, undrafted signings will do anything. What do you think? Well, I mean, I do think that they needed to replenish the, I mean, I agreed with Howie in the sense that they had you know, aging guys, and they were trying to kind of capture the magic for the last two years, especially mm -hmm. when Carson was not a 
among the highest paid QBs in the league, and it kind of caught up to them. And so, right. I do think they de- needed to roster and bring in new guys. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, it's to, to what you're saying, AJ. Yeah, you, you, there's a level of trust now that yeah. has to be redeveloped, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I would go back to 2017. You know, they bring in Tory Smith. Right. They bring in Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. They bring in um, uh, somebody. Like Aaron Blunt. Yeah, like Aaron yeah, yeah, Blunt's on Chris Long. I mean, I think Chris we could have said that. Yeah, about that whole Patrick Robinson. We could we could have said that about that. Yeah. And I think we did say that. It's like, who are yeah. these guys? You know, yeah. They're coming off of 2016 where Carson showed that he had some pretty good talent in this league, but right. they were still had a losing record and they still right. had deficiencies at cornerbacks. And now you're at being asked to trust Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman. So, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, just because they did it that year means you trust them all the time. But I right. just feel like, you know, the NFL goes in cycles, and uh-huh. it was time to make this roster younger and build a new foundation. And you just have to hope that the decisions they made were the right ones. Yeah, I just get nervous now. Now, not to keep you too long, but do you really think that Jason Peters is going to end up coming back? Because I really don't want him back. <laughs> Well, I, I think so, because to be honest, two reasons. One, the fact that he hasn't signed with anybody now, as mm-hmm. good as he's been, you know, according to all the, the metric sites that rank and say, it doesn't matter how old he is, he's still been among the top five left tackles. Yeah. And how bad offensive line play is for him not to be able to get a job or a contract that he wanted, it means he's either going to come back or retire. Now, the question, right. AJ, is what happens when he comes back? You can't. I know, I know I know people are reactionary and they only think mm-hmm. one way sometimes but the reality is you you traded up in the first round for Andre Dillard it's his second year I don't know if you can waste another one you you've got to play the kid right and if he's not good enough then you have Jason Peters there to step right in but I don't think you just hand the job to Jason Peters yeah, me either. And that was my worry because last year, even when, and here's my thing, even when he was recouping last year, I felt nervous because I felt like he actually gained more weight. And I don't think that would help his bad knee if he's always taking himself out. And that's why I was getting annoyed with that. Like, I do agree he's a Hall of Famer for, for his position. But how is Andre, how is Andre going to grow? Like, he's just going to get stunted if he's right. sitting on the sidelines all of, ne- of all of this upcoming season. So I just feel like give him the benefit of the doubt. And he was also put in a position where he had to switch to another side he was definitely not good at. So I don't feel like he has a, a leg to stand on in terms of judging him and saying he's not, you know, he's not capable of learning. Um, right. You know, because I felt like all those rumors, they were, well, I'm sure it was preseason training camp, so I'm sure I can't go by that. But it just sounded like people were saying he was, catching on pretty quickly in training camp and I don't know what that means as far as the regular season but it just sounded like they liked him and then all of a sudden it was like Ugh, you well, know the problem, the problem with training camp is that you don't necessarily get tested physically the way you do during the right. regular season and one thing right. that Andre is just a, a technician at is having the right footwork and moving around like a dancing bear he's mm-hmm. so good at that he has just such great feet and he puts himself uh, in line to block the quarterback really well. The problem is he lacks the strength and the physical aggression that it takes when that defensive end lines up across from you and doesn't beat you with the first move, but then he comes right at you with a ball mm-hmm. or a club and he's got mm-hmm. counter moves and he's going to... That's where Andre really suffered last year. Okay. Um, especially... And, and he, remember, he played right tackle. He should have never played right tackle. He didn't... Right. They, they, they yanked him. He was terrible there. That, mm-hmm. I put that on him as well. But, right. um, you know, again, to your point, how do you 
respond to these physical challenges and get stronger and get more seasoning if you're not out there you can't right you can only learn you just got to dive in because i mean you know like any new job everyone gets 90 days you know at least to figure out what their you know what their skill set is and i feel like he hasn't really gotten a fair shake now what about jordan maylotta that that was one of those people i'm like what are they going to do with him after they realize the experiment's over i'm still confused Well, I really hope his back holds up because last year, AJ in training camp, I was talking to some people um, involved with the team and they were they were telling me that he was really starting to get it all. Like the light bulb had gone on. It wasn't just about run blocking and pass blocking. He was now to the point where if they're going to run a screen, he can know how to get into the second level, block his guy and okay. I'm not thinking about it. And the athleticism was coming through. It's a real shame. Yeah, the back injury put him out. Thankfully, it was not surgical. And I still think I'm I'm tantalized by the guy. I really if he stays healthy. Yeah. And knowing how much the Eagles have injuries at the offensive line, he could be such an asset to have. He could be the type of guy that gets in there and then just doesn't give the job up because he's that good wherever they put him. Right. um, You know, I don't root for anybody to get hurt, but I do wish that he would get some kind of opportunity somewhere. And also just show competition because that's what they want to see after. And then a big test with this quarantine, and I'm sure for all the sports, how good is your conditioning? Because I know even my mom, as she watches games from some time to time with me, she'll say, I blame the players who don't condition themselves well on the offseason. Isn't that their job and, you know, to be ready for it? And I'm like, I guess it's easier said than done, but I do wonder why some guys get hurt so quickly. Um, you know, I just wonder, like, for Jay Jaw hearing about that article I saw on Twitter or something about him saying that, you know, he had needed help going to the bathroom at one point. And I said to myself, I'm like, you came from college, though. Why, why wouldn't you be, like, on your creatine and all them, them proteins, make sure your body's strong, like... You know. you know what they are. But remember, he's a 21-year-old kid, and he's still in the growing for a lot of them, still in their prime. Mm-hmm. They're just not physically, yeah. you know, just like we're talking about with Andre Dillard. He needs right. to get stronger. He needs to bulk up. I mean, when you play in the NFL, you're going against the greatest athletes uh, in the world, and you really have to keep adding. And sometimes guys work out too much. You know, they, work, yeah. they weight lift so much that their muscles and ligament, their ligaments can't hold how big their muscles are, and they okay. snap, and that's okay. what I see those kind of injuries because you know what i'm still mad about jordan hicks being in arizona but seeing how good he started becoming after they let him go it just kind of ticked me off because i'm like couldn't you just hold on to him for a vet minimum because he probably was gonna he was our well, they gave him a him. huge contract i mean they gave him what are you, you know yeah. was, his contract is up and the cardinals gambled on him because they knew about his injury history and yeah the eagles just said you know we can, i don't think we can pay a guy at that position who misses, you know, as many games as he missed. Yeah, it's just he's our cowboy killer, and I'm just hoping that this, you know, I know Sean Bradley's going to probably start in special teams, but for Temple, bringing a guy who's a linebacker and knowing that, you know, the rumor was that the Eagles never prioritized linebacker, I just hope that Mm -hmm. a lot of these kids kind of shock people. Like, I really want, I think the young energy movement is definitely good, but I'm just nervous that they maybe got, too many things going on and then it's just going to be a whole mess but if it's hard for them to decide who to keep on the roster maybe that's a good problem um come september mm. but it just also makes me nervous that that chemistry is gonna fall apart and i feel like you know carson is a he thrives on chemistry and keeping everybody together and i'm like i hope there's not too many personalities that they can't if anything from last year too keep your mouth shut don't talk to anybody about any you got a problem with carson i think he seems approachable 
let's not start mm-hmm. that crap, you know, because that's all reporters need is something to like salivate on with rumors and gossip. And I just don't want my team falling apart because of stupid stuff. Like I, if they fight every game and look like they're in it and so they can't be in it, that's one thing. But please don't fold so early in the season. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I want to see, I want to see fight. And I just, I like Carson from the door because I feel like he is what he is. You know what I mean? I don't feel like there's no games with him and I don't feel like we'll ever feel like we don't know what he's really about. You know, he may not be exciting, but I think he's a solid person and I feel like he deserves a chance to get to the playoffs and the Super Bowl before he retires. Like, I don't care if he's 27. Not everybody can flourish early in their career, you know? So, I don't know. I'm just... I'll leave you with this. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, your concern your worries, mm-hmm. your uh, alarm going off, that's what mm-hmm. makes you an Eagles fan, right? I mean, yeah. you, you w- it wouldn't yes. be an Eagles fan if you didn't have that inside you. No, and it's it's, it's, it's a life, <laughs> it's testing my life insurance policy, I'm telling you that much, we all know. It's like a very <laughs> crazy fan base of emotions, but I thank you so much though for giving me time to talk to you about this, because you know, I'm excited about the season, but with the quarantine, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the season doesn't start right away. Um, everybody's on because it's kind of a crazy layover plan with the, the seasons not starting and starting late. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. either way, I'm looking forward to obviously your podcast again with Adam Kaplan. I'm about to go actually backtrack on the latest ones you guys did. But thank you so much for joining Birds of a Feather and my podcast. I, I hope, to, hope to be able to talk to you again, if not if with Adam too, because I would love him on, on this as well. And uh, yes, so thank you so much for joining. We will get it done. I promise to come on uh, sometime again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You have a great one and thanks for joining. All right, Angel. Take care.